Welcome to Biblical Foundations, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm your co-host, Jimmy Rowe, along with Dr. Andreas Kostenberger. Join us as we discuss issues in biblical scholarship for the church. Let's take a look then uh, very briefly at each of the Gospels. Mm -hmm. We can start with the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, How would you approach uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and how does Matthew tell the story of Jesus? Yes, uh, of course, there's no substitute for reading the Gospel through multiple times. And and in my book, I simply try to uh, provide a bit of a companion as people do that, uh, you know, tracking with the narrative unit by unit. But um, in, a, in, in a big picture type of way, Matthew shows that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish messianic hopes and expectations we read about in the Old Testament, which makes it a fitting first gospel because it it, it, it directly connects Jesus with the Messianic vision uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, he opens with uh, the ancestry of Jesus, his, uh, his genealogy, where he shows Jesus to be the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham, of a descendant in whom all the nations would be blessed, and also as the fulfillment of God's promises to David, of an eternal kingly dynasty. And then Matthew organizes Jesus' teaching in five major discourses. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount, the commissioning of the Twelve, two units of kingdom parables, and the Olivet or End Time Discourse. You know, the number five uh, was known in ancient Israel as some sort of a sacred number for books. You have the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, the five books of the Psalms uh, collected in, in form of five books. And so uh, Matthew writing for a Jewish audience is, is, is uh, perfectly fitting to present Jesus' teaching in the form of what you might uh, call the five books of Jesus. Um, Matthew also oscillates, uh, you know, goes back and forth between uh, Jesus' teaching on the one hand and his ministry of healings and other miracles on the other. Um, And I think he does that to show that Jesus was a Messiah in both word and deed. So for example, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters five through seven is followed on account of Jesus's uh, healing and other miracles in Matthew eight through 10, eight eight and nine. And then again, Matthew 10, you have the next discourse (laughs) on uh, uh, the commissioning of the Twelve, and, and on and on it goes. In other words, uh, Matthew shows that Jesus had real authority because he didn't just talk. He followed up his talk with action, which, again, is just a powerful, powerful insight as we read through Matthew's narrative. So in, all in all, what Matthew contributes to the New Testament witness about Jesus is that he's the fulfillment of Old Testament expectations regarding the Messiah. Moving on to Mark, then, how does he tell the story of Jesus? Well, yes, uh, Mark's account of Jesus is considerably more concise than Matthew's, which is one reason why many believe Mark wrote his gospel first, and then both Matthew and Luke added additional material. Uh, But in any case, uh, Mark most likely wrote his gospel to a Roman audience, uh, and as such highlighted Jesus' authority 
as the Son of God. From the very beginning, Mark shows Jesus uh, casting out demons, healing the sick, and even raising the dead. He shows Jesus as commanding nature and as exhibiting striking authority over all of creation, including uh, the forces of evil and even death. I think this demonstration of Jesus' power would have strongly resonated with people all across the Mediterranean world, including non-Jews, and would have commended faith in Jesus to people despite the fact that Jesus was crucified, because the gospel ends on the note of Jesus' powerful vindication through resurrection. And turning to Luke, how does Luke tell the story of Jesus? Well, uh, Luke, uh, of course, uh, wrote the longest gospel, and I remember writing the book. Uh, it was hard not to get somewhat bogged down when uh, being somewhere in the middle of that uh, extended 11-chapter uh, so-called Luke and travel narrative from Luke 9 through uh, 19. And so uh, for anyone who, who uh, wants to buy the book or wants to use it in the classroom, uh, what I try to help the reader along is to have occasional uh, updates, uh, recaps, and, and, and other, uh, you know, didactic features for the for the student not to get lost, you know, in the middle of, 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 of uh, Luke's uh, gospel in general and the, the travel narrative uh, specifically. Of course, uh, Luke was a doctor, um, a physician, and as such, he was particularly concerned for people's both physical and spiritual well-being. And of course, he knew that they were often connected. Uh, he also knew that sin was universal. And so he presents Jesus as the true physician and healer who can make people whole, both physically and spiritually. Of course, one of the, the, the beloved uh, features of Luke's gospel is that uh, he includes uh, many memorable characters, whether in parables or in real life, uh, uh, such as the prodigal son uh, in chapter 15, or, or Zacchaeus in chapter 19. Uh, Zacchaeus, the, the, the tax collector who was so short, he had to climb on a tree to see Jesus, which I'm sure uh, Luke had uh, firsthand sources who were able to, uh, to tell him that, that story as it happened. Um, and I think Luke does that to show that, you know, the signature verse, I think it's Luke uh, 19, verse 10, that Jesus came into this world to save sinners, whether Jews or non-Jews. And then, of course, what makes Luke even more unique is that uh, he's the only one who actually wrote a sequel to his gospel, uh, the book of Acts which uh, narrates what Jesus continued to do through the Spirit and the Apostles' witness following his resurrection. And uh, at that point, of course, uh, Luke, as the travel companion of Paul, was uniquely qualified to write that volume. Uh, so all in all, um, Luke is, uh, along with Mark, uh, a second gospel that is written to a a universal uh, audience, uh, not merely to Jews, and in what, what's what's even more unique in his case is that uh, you have 
Luke Acts as a two-volume work that shows that Jesus' impact uh, continued to extend beyond his uh, resurrection and ascension uh, into the uh, first few decades of the early church. Well, finally, let's turn our attention to the Gospel of John. I think um, many of our listeners might be familiar with work as a Johannine scholar. I remember reading through the Gospels even for myself as a first time as a young boy and immediately noticing John's unique presentation of Jesus. Um, so how does John tell the story of Jesus, and maybe how is that different from the synoptic presentation? Well, yes. Uh, John connects Jesus' coming directly and immediately with the Genesis creation narrative. Now, of course, all four Gospels have some sort of a connection point with the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But only John uh, goes to the very beginning, to creation itself, uh, which already shows just how profound uh, his gospel is theologically. Uh, Of course, uh, by doing that, John shows that Jesus' coming has cosmic uh, proportions and uh, has important uh, implications for the entire world uh, he has made. Uh, Jesus is not merely the baby born in the manger in Bethlehem. Um, John makes clear he's the Word through whom God created the entire universe. He's the Word made flesh. He is the God-man who came to live among us, to show us what God is like, and to show us God's love for the world when he died on the cross for our sins. So in this way, the famous verse John 3.16 epitomizes the message of John's gospel that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I think that was uh, very helpful and even um, illustrative of reading the gospels uh, vertically like you were mentioning before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just as we uh, turn to wrap up our conversation here, as you shared about the um, backstory behind the book. How do you envision readers actually using your book? Well, it's my hope that they will find the Jesus of the Gospels uh, to be a suitable companion uh, by their side as they read through each of the Gospels. Uh, I certainly don't intend my book to be a substitute for reading the Gospels themselves. Uh, If people can only do one or the other, by all means, they should read the Gospels. Uh, But I do think that an introduction such as this one uh, can be very useful, just like it is often helpful to have a tour guide or a more knowledgeable person orient us to a new place where we're going. Uh, Especially young people. I would love for them to fall in love with Jesus and to learn more about what's involved in following him, or even to meet him for the very first time uh, in the pages of the Gospels. So uh, my hope and my prayer is that God would use the Jesus of the Gospels as a tool in discipleship, whether in personal study, small groups, youth groups, uh, men's and women's ministry, or or other venues. Well, that's uh, very exciting to actually, uh, we had the book here as we're recording this podcast, and um, I think it looks like an excellent resource, both in the classroom and for churches as well, even for, like you said, a personal companion. 
in your reading of the Gospels. And so we look forward to seeing how this uh, will be used. And uh, we want to encourage our listeners to uh, find a copy of the book and to read the Gospels first and foremost. And uh, maybe this will be a suitable companion for you. So thank you so much, Dr. Kostenberger, for sharing about this book. We look forward to uh, uh, seeing how this could be used in the future. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. For more information, please visit the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern at cbs.mbts.edu. For further resources, please also visit biblicalfoundations.org. Please join us again next time at the Biblical Foundations podcast.